Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome. Uh, Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like the 210 range. Uh, A dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Game. 11 o'clock on a Thursday morning, and welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler here on the other side of the glass. Preston Thorne, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell. Got a lot to get to on today's show. Plenty more thoughts on South Carolina and Florida. We started to dig into the matchup a little bit yesterday, and I, I left that conversation feeling like Carolina was going to lose by you know, 6,000 points. And I was like, wait a second, let's think about this. Let's reframe this. We have two more days of content to get through. We can't, you know, pick the winner, at least in the form of Florida winning by a lot on Wednesday afternoon. So let's come up with something. So we're going to talk more about the Florida game, talk about some matchups and all seriousness ways for South Carolina to win the football game. Um, But we've gotten delightfully sidetracked today talking about hair inspired by Hayden Brown. Uh, Texter has already said who will leave South Carolina as a more popular player, Hayden Hurst or Hayden Brown. So here's the deal. Um, I saw somebody tried to say that. And obviously, if you listen to the show, I have a soft spot in my heart for Hayden Hurst. Mm -hmm. Um, He's disqualified from because his hair was just red. I don't know if that counts as. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that counts as you doing something. He had the pony, though. He did have a ponytail. All right, so that he's in. All right. Okay. I just didn't want him to just be counting because he was ginger. You know the what I'm saying? The, yeah. The pony that with is the beard combo. Ponytail, beard combo, solid. Yeah, but I mean, gin, ginger Thor, right? That was what people called him? The Garnet, Garnet Thor. Garnet Thor. Garnet Thor. Get it right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that is so funny. Like, red, red hair is just like... That's not a style choice. That's, no. You know what I'm saying? That's just what you... Well, I guess not, it can be if it's, like, well, red. I guess. But not gingery. 
We've been talking about hair. I asked Wes and Chris if they have had any notable hairstyles through the years. Expecting a pretty... Honestly, expecting a relatively safe answer, like I got from Chris, like long. Um, you said you, you got a picture of... Like, big. Not big. not even long, just like big hair. Yeah, big voluminous. Hair. Yes. I got a surprising answer from Wes. <laughs> and he can out himself or I can out him. <laughs> I, I want to I know what... Uh, well, I guess Chris already heard it. Preston, you got any? You got any guesses? Uh, not y- really. Y- young, like this is this is like <laughs> middle school, junior high. Um, so yeah, middle school, junior high. I, I don't know how young that is. I mean, you you made the choice. It wasn't your parents, right? You made it. Yeah, I made. It the was choice. your choice, and it, it was a bold decision. <laughs> okay, what what? So um, all right, I'll, I'll just out myself, I guess. Um. This was during the Eminem heyday. Straight up, full bleached, blondish, platinum ish, all the all the way. Not tips, not any of that. This black hair <laughs> was blonde. I'll br- I'll bring a picture tomorrow. Oh man, I can't wait to see this picture tomorrow. <laughs> was it the same length as it is right now? A little bit longer. Okay, longer. Um. And here's the thing about those uh, those decisions. Um, when you have very dark hair like I do, and it starts to, like, grow out, there's this time period when it's, like, in between sort of... It ends up being, like, a frosted tips thing once you get it cut oh. next time. But there's a time period in between that where it... I mean, you shouldn't be allowed in public. Mm. But, um, yeah, I was there. That's really exciting. Thank you all for sharing, or thank you for sharing with all of us. We appreciate you sharing that. Not that you had any choice in the matter, but that's uh, that's fantastic. Like, every, everyone's made choices. Uh, every, everyone's got to do something ambitious with their hair at some point in their lives. Hey, I would do it again. Not now, but like me then. <laughs> I, do it again I would week. do it all over. Yeah, good, yeah. good. Stick with your choices. Um, a man who, uh, who knows a lot about a lot of things. I didn't realize the hair was one of them, but I'm not at all surprised. Uh, but Barry has a hair story for us. What's up, guys? What's up, Bear? How you doing, Good. Preston? I got I, I got a good one for for you guys, hair wise. This is 1971 now. Okay, back in New York, and uh, I had a couple older sisters who were sitting around a house one night and uh, decided to basically cornrow and braid my hair. Okay, in 1971. And then we decide to go to the city. And when I say the city, you know what city I'm talking about, uh-huh. New York City. And, you know, when you go to New York City, you see some stuff you don't see anywhere else in the world. Okay, so here I am. I'm a 16-year-old white dude, and we're driving around New York City, and everybody in every car is freaking out of my hair. Okay, we get out. We walk the streets. I got stopped a hundred times. Oh my God, I love your hair. I love your hair. I love your hair. So I think I was a president, president setter when it comes to white dudes wearing braids back in 1971. So when you go to New York City and you get attention like that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, uh, for 40 years of my life, my hair has been longer than my shoulders. There's two things I'm very, uh, picky about is my hair and my rags. Okay. They're going to be straight. It don't matter. Being Italian, my clothes are going to be straight. My hair is going to be straight. Now I want to touch on football, okay? Uh, we talked about the last three games. Preston, I'm talking to you. Uh, 
you know, I, I have Carolina six and three right where I predicted them at the beginning of the season. The only difference being the A and M Missouri uh, games; those two I had reversed, and I've got them losing the last three. This is preseason. Now, after watching the season, I think that Clemson is most definitely the easiest opponent to beat based on what I've seen. I've seen them play enough games on TV, okay, to know the quarterback doesn't scare me. All right, they got number one, and they got number zero. They got two guys on offense. Give me a number one, a Will Shipley. I want a Will Shipley on my team, okay? I'm, I'm going to give a shout-out to Will Shipley. I love the kid. He's a hell of a running back. But their secondary is about as bad as any secondary in the country. Uh, if Rattler's ever going to be used as an asset, which he has not been used yet as that, as an asset, it should be against Clemson, and he should be able to eat up their secondary because they're terrible. And I just want to see if you agree that based on what we've seen at this point in time, that Clemson possibly could be the easiest opponent. Barry, appreciate the call as always, and uh, and the the hair story. That's fantastic. Glad to know what you're rocking with now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, appreciate the hard pivot to football as well. Absolutely, right, right in our wheelhouse. This is what, this is what, exactly what I do. So. Um. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Honestly, I had not considered this. It's going to take me a minute to consider that. In my brain, I've just been thinking about Clemson being Clemson, who they were. And so there's a little lag in me considering what they actually are now. But as I listen to everybody talk and sort of hear people evaluating them, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities because that the Clemson team that we thought they were at the beginning of the year is not who they will be at the end of the year. Are they better than South Carolina? Yes, probably. Um, I guess I'm hesitant to say easiest because I don't know what this Florida team is. Mm-hmm. I'll say the most difficult is Tennessee, obviously. Maybe a toss-up on Clemson and Florida. Yeah, well, Chris, we got into this a little bit yesterday, and, and you said – likelihood of winning, I guess, Florida number one, Clemson number two, Tennessee number three. And, and you gave a good explanation for it, I thought. And, and Clemson is obviously Clemson. But how big in your mind is the gap between Florida and Clemson in terms of likelihood that Carolina pulls the upset? I, I, not a huge gap, I don't think. Um, you know, Florida, you know, probably advantage Florida in quarterback play, honestly. Mm-hmm. Now, now, um, Clemson's quarterback has played, he's been very up and down. He's had some games where you're like, wow, he is way better than last season. 
Uh, he's had other games. You know, Notre Dame was certainly one where where he struggled, and they'll bring in the freshman Cade Klubnik, and you know he hasn't done a lot. He's been kind of up and down. You know, had some and it's really gotten thrown too. into the fire a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, thrown too. into the fire. But you know, I think Clemson at least has shown the capability to be able to run the football at times, and that's concerning for South Carolina. We saw that last season with the South Carolina team. Could you know could not stop Clemson's running game. So until further notice, that's a big concern. Florida is more dangerous at quarterback because of Anthony Richardson and what he can do. Clemson is vulnerable in the secondary. I will agree with that. If you get one-on-one opportunities, you can take advantage of them, but they're really good on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're really good up front, and they have a lot of talent on that team. So I think it's fairly close, but I, I still have Florida as a more winnable game, just overall, just top to bottom all things considered, but it's not a huge, huge gap, I don't think. Yeah, and they're 5-4. and four, They're 2-4 and four in SEC play. Three of their four losses are to teams that like might be in the college football playoffs. Right. So <laughs> there is there is that. I also think it's fair to say that Florida's just, like, they're, they're just okay. I mean, one of you made the point yesterday. It's just like kind of all these teams in a morass in the middle of the SEC. Florida's absolutely part of that. What's interesting about this matchup this weekend, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, and the Clemson game as well, because I think Barry's right. An opportunity to exploit that. An opportunity for Spencer to just take advantage of his talent. That's a game where you just say, just like, go. Just, like, obviously you have to have a game plan and stuff, but just like, hey, Spencer, just go do stuff. Like, make something happen. Make it like the Jake Bentley game from a couple years ago, where you're just chucking it all over the yard and see what happens. But that We've established that this Carolina team is at its best when it's running the football first and running to set up the pass. But against Florida and against Clemson, it's like you're really going to need the passing game almost first. And that hasn't re- that hasn't been what Carolina has done well this year. You you said that you've got to pass first against Florida. Well, think- they're a team that gives up a lot of explosive plays. Yes, um, they're they're not very good. Uh, you're 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 going to need to keep up. You're going to need to score points, and especially if you don't have Marshawn Lloyd, which at this point, you know, fifty fifty, whatever. You're going to to score into the mid to the mid to high thirties, maybe even low forties. You're going to need a really big game out of Spencer Rattler and a good game out of your receivers. Yeah, and so I, I think it almost like begs the question. It's kind of like. That could be true. Like Spencer Rattler, if he has the biggest game as a Gamecock, that would be a path to victory. But it's like, is that more likely or is it more likely that South Carolina needs to follow like a more conventional formula and regardless of Lloyd, you find a way to run the football? I mean, Shane Beamer gave the statistic the other day. and Well, it was a pretty high, what was it, 200 yards. They're undefeated. You know, haven't lost a game when South Carolina runs for some certain number of yards. And that's probably the case for a whole bunch of teams, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, which is more likely based on what we've seen from this team? Um, it's probably easier to say if Marshawn Lloyd's in the equation that, you know, running the football very effectively is, you know, the better path because Marshawn Lloyd has created a lot of those said explosive plays that mm-hmm. South Carolina has had this year um, and presumably would have the best chance to do that. So, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of, Probably didn't answer the question at all, but but that is that really is the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, we could say, well, it's critical for Spencer to be able to have a big passing game, but I, I think that's kind of to do that. You have to eliminate the possibility that South Carolina can run the ball effectively, and maybe maybe that's the case. I mean, what, what, Wes, would you characterize Carolina's rushing attack as effective against Vanderbilt? This is not a trick question, just a Rorschach test. <sighs> My uh, 
my eyes told me not as effective as you would like. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back at the stats, uh, and again, we did talk about how some of those things can be misleading. Looking back at the stats, though, they actually ran the ball better than it felt like they did. And I, mm-hmm. I think there there were a few juju um, sort of mini chunk plays that I, I think I almost, I don't know, didn't give them credit for in my head. Like, I just didn't remember them until I rewatched the game. So they ran the ball better than I expected. I, I think they or ran, they ran the ball better statistically than it felt like they did is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, obviously, there, there's no Lloyd, and we know – Lloyd, how important he has been mm-hmm. to this team. So when you sort of consider that, um, they they probably did maybe even better than than they could have been expected. But I, I think the the thing for South Carolina going into this game, uh, for one, you know, is Lloyd available or not? Two, how close to a hundred percent is he? Even if he you know gives it a go, I, I think I think there's a better chance this week that he's going to at least be able to go out there and sort of warm up and make it a game day decision. We'll see. But, um, man, as a Florida team, I felt like a healthy Lloyd probably has a pretty big day against. Uh, leaning on uh, Will, Hel- Will Helms' analytics a little bit, like not only have they given up a bunch of chunk plays, they've given up a bunch of, like, missed tackles. So, um, you know, or had a bunch of missed tackles. So you're talking about really one of the best backs um analytically in the conference at creating missed tackles against the defense that misses a lot of tackles. So mm-hmm. um, having him in there always would be a difference maker. Don't get me wrong, but I think it would especially be a difference maker against these guys. 13th in the SEC at run missed tackle percentages, Florida. Only better than Vanderbilt. And so that creates another question. It's where against which teams have those performances come against? So you, you mentioned earlier, Pearson's great point. Look at who they've played. LSU, Georgia. It's two. I mean, one of them's a definite playoff team. LSU, presumably, you know, is going to have a really good shot to get there. Now, this is also the same team that uh, barely beat South Florida, who just fired their coach and is horrific. Um, they were fortunate, honestly, to win that that game and scored, you know, ten points against Kentucky and did you know, played okay on defense. But it, it's kind of hard to figure out this game. In that regard, because like th- this is a Florida team that's really hard to figure out, you know. Um, but Wes's stat: twenty-one missed tackles. That came against LSU, who's pretty good. Same amount of missed tackles South Carolina had against Arkansas. Uh, interestingly, uh, in KJ Jefferson. So both of these defenses have struggled with that. Another stat guru that's not Will Helms, our boy Gamecock Russ Wes on Twitter, bringing the stats every week. Florida's defense has given up 48 scrimmage plays of 20-plus yards, according to Gamecock Russ. South Carolina has 44 scrimmage plays of 20-plus yards, and Marshawn Lloyd has 11 of those. Hmm. So that just kind of underscores the fact that he's very, very important to this football team for South Carolina. Yeah, and and I guess to come back to my emphasis on Carolina's passing in this weekend is mostly predicated on Lloyd's unavailability or, even if he is playing, not going to be more than, I mean, what'd you say, 80% earlier? Yeah, I would, I, just coming back from last week, I question whether or not he can get up to about 80%. Right. And as I was just caution, that type of injury is really literally only one hit away from going 
back to zero. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, huge X factor for this weekend, no doubt. We'll continue to talk about some of these matchups, especially what South Carolina is going to need to do to score more. Probably not going to be a 10-7 to kind of game. So we'll talk about Carolina's offense and Florida's defense as we continue on here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell, on the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Twenty-three minutes after eleven o'clock on a Thursday morning, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on one hundred seven five. The game and welcome back in. A quick reminder: it's the fifteenth anniversary of one hundred seven five being on the air. And to celebrate, the halftime show is going to be out at the Gutterman from twelve to three this afternoon with special guests from the first ever show. I haven't asked. I don't even know. Like what was? I mean, two thousand seven. Trying to think. Like it still could have been like DC. Trying to think of who some of the guests would have been on the first ever broadcast on 107.5 The Game. And it was, in fact, Jay Phillips' show, the halftime show. First one to crack a mic right here on the station. So anyway, go out to the Gutterman. Special guest from the first show. Basketball tickets to give away. Plus, you can win a $200 fall cleanout from the Gutterman to help us celebrate our 15th anniversary. Um, so, uh, Wes, Chris, I, I had to do like a lot of digging yesterday. Watch some tape. Grind some stats. Because I was like, I have nothing to say for the next two days because y'all just convinced me that Carolina didn't have a chance. And um, which is so weird because, like, that's what I get accused of doing. And you two were the ones telling me that Carolina wasn't going to win. Uh, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, there, there is a football game that's going to be played. And Florida is actually, like, horrendous defensively. They're not just bad. Like, most of the categories that you can find, the only teams that are worse than them are, like, Vanderbilt, Every once in a while, there's like an Auburn or an Arkansas or an A&M stat. But Florida's defense is like really bad this year. That's a statement. Is this where, is this where we talk to? If you want to. I mean, y'all, y'all have made I your stance you on this like game clear. ask a question. I, um, I think Carolina can score. The, 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 off, the defenses that are worse in most of these categories than Florida are Vanderbilt and Arkansas. And those are the two games where Carolina has gotten 230 or cracked 30 in the case of Vanderbilt. So there is a path here to this being a shootout. Yeah, there is a path. I think I think it has to be a, sh- a shootout, depending on your definition of shootout. If South Carolina's going to win the game, it's got to be – they've got to get in the 30s. Like, I, I, I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, you know, and I, I'm, not, I'm not in any way saying South Carolina cannot win the game. We're ju- I'm just saying that these teams played 10 times, Carolina's not winning five of them. Like, I, I think uh, it's a bad matchup for them on paper, and they're going to have to play the run a good bit better than they did against a Vandy team that ran the ball better against Carolina than they have against just about anybody else that they've played. Question trying to for somebody trying to figure, figure it out. Are you saying that Carolina needs to score 30 because Florida's offense is that good or Carolina's defense has struggled that much? Obviously, combination of the two, but which one would you lean on? Yeah, I I just think it's a bad matchup, and uh, a good bit of that being how I feel like Carolina has played against the run the last two games, um, combined with you know a, a running game for Florida that is like their strength. Uh, they have a quarterback that I mean, I I just I can envision lots of plays to the outside where. Uh, kind of like with KJ Jefferson, Nicky Manwari's having to clean it up nine yards downfield, and um, you know he collects a bunch of tackles. But um, 
you know, I feel like Carolina's defense has struggled. Um, it, it goes back to success rate. Like, they've struggled to stay, to keep their opponent behind schedule. And Florida is a team that I think is can live in that little, you know, second and five, third and two. And if they have third and two, if they're smart, they're going to just run Richardson ahead for, for easy gains. So I, I feel like you're not, you shouldn't go into this game expecting South Carolina's defense to just shut Florida down. That's why I'm saying 30. I, I think, you know, if you can contain them and maybe keep them around that 28, 31 number, then, um, you know, it's going to be about can Carolina's offense create enough explosive plays because they've kind of been uh, kind of boomer bust on offense for Carolina. And then it's a Florida defense that gives up uh, explosives as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you never know going into a game, is this going to be the game where those explosives hit or is this going to be the game where they don't? It's kind of unpredictable. I feel well, like. even, even if they do, if you're on the field for 17 minutes and you run 46 plays and yeah, you have five long touchdowns, that doesn't feel like it's going to be enough to to beat a Florida team that's going to be content to have the ball, control the clock, run the ball, put together long drives, and have your defense be on the field for 100 plays. Three, so Florida has four losses this season. Here are the point totals that they gave up to the opposition. 26 to Kentucky, 38 to Tennessee, 45 to LSU, 42 to Georgia. So there's some trends in there. Number one... All four of those teams are good. <laughs> Three of them are really, really, really good. Um, and then only one of those games, you know, was less than 38 points. Mm-hmm. Right? So and they were over, excuse me, they were under five yards of carry in all those games, though, except for LSU, interestingly. Who, Florida? Florida. Well, I, 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 but these are the point tables Florida gave up. Yeah, yeah okay. To, to, but, I mean, that's also a good note yeah, no, on no, the no, other no, side. Yeah, sorry, continue. But, I was mixed up. Then you look at, like, okay, they're close games. So the South Florida game, I mean, that's kind of an outlier. That's a bad team. They won 31-28. to 28. They just played terribly in that game. The Kentucky game is, like, I look at, like, the Kentucky game and the Missouri game. Now, Florida beat Missouri by seven. But the Kentucky and the Missouri game, the themes there are, like, the opposition just mucked up the game, for for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. You know, Anthony Richardson didn't didn't play well offensively. Florida goes, and really the team goes as he goes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I just think you got you got to muck it up if you're South Carolina. Now, with Missouri, and one of Florida's scores in that game was set up by I think I think they had two picks in that game. One of them was set up by a long return. Um, Missouri's defense is better than South Carolina's. Like, they're better equipped to cause Florida problems. That was a Kentucky team that I think was probably playing better earlier in the season. They were healthier. They had Will Levis on that team. But that is kind of the formula for South Carolina. And in those two games, I mean, Missouri was close. There was a fourth-quarter game. Missouri only scored 17 points. Kentucky scored 26 and won. But... You, those teams are able to muck it up defensively. Can South Carolina do that? I, I don't really think so. So, yeah, I guess I guess here's the trouble. It's like uh, for Carolina to win, they're going to have to score a lot of points, and it's like, oh, boy, we spent most of the last two years talking about how the offense isn't good. So I guess that just leaves you feeling not very good about the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I think it's – I mean, I think it's going to be tough. It doesn't mean they can't win the game. I just uh, – I think they're going to have to score points. Like, I don't – maybe they, they muck it up like Chris is saying. I just – 
I don't see it playing out like that. They're right. they're going to need they're going to need to move the ball against Florida the way they did against Vandy. Like it's going to need to sort of be where they're creating a bunch of big plays um, and and feeling pretty. I mean, they scored thirty one points in the half against Vandy. It's one of the best half halves they've played on offense um, of the Beamer era. I think so. It's going to have to be somewhat similar to that for them to win the game in my opinion all right we'll flip we'll go defense offense next because somebody texted me in the nine o'clock hour with an interesting potential strategy for south carolina maybe not even to muck the game up in general but just to try to slow down a good florida offense and also to try to fix what's been a pretty rough defense the last couple of weeks 803-404-6100 thoughts that you have predictions matchups for the carolina florida game let us know. 803-404-6100. Love Chevy phone line, text line. Get all of us on Twitter as well. At Pearson Fowler, at Coach B Tweets, at West Mitchell GC, and at GC Chris Clark. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven thirty-seven on a Thursday morning, and welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on one hundred seven five. The game, Pearson, Preston, West, Chris, here with you talking Carolina, Florida. Coming up in just a few, the halftime show live from the Gutterman is the official fifteenth anniversary show. They'll have special guests from the first show, basketball tickets to give away, plus a two hundred dollar fall cleanout from the Gutterman, all to help celebrate one hundred seven five. The game's fifteen year anniversary on the air here. In Columbia, getting back into the Florida game, talking uh, defense offense now. Somebody texted in the nine o'clock hour with a very simple suggestion. And football is a complicated game, but sometimes with simple solutions, just let Evan Morey follow Anthony Richardson around all day. Spy essentially. Although Preston, you said a spy is moving back, a robber is moving up. Kind of. I okay. mean, in, in general terms, yes. But as a as a spy, you're just assigning this person to this other person. So, Wes, will Carolina do that? And if not, why not? I mean, I would say probably not. Um, you're kind of almost having to reinvent your defense, I think, if you do that uh, to an extent. Uh, now, will, will there be times where they spy him? I would imagine so. It's probably going to be down. Probably gonna be more down-distance based. Uh, but basically, if you do that, if, if, if it's a pure spy, um, you're taking that guy out of coverage or – that's that's one less guy that's in coverage. That's one less guy that can rush the passer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's one less guy covering someone else because you still have to cover the five eligible receivers on any given play. So you're kind of um, – you're already struggling to make that decision of do I bring four, drop this many guys, do I bring five, drop this – do I heat them up, cover zero, send six? And you're, you're almost um, – you're kind of – uh, give me some words here, Preston. You're like yourself. Uh, harm. You're harming yourself, basically. I you're, feel wa- like. you're wasting a player. Yeah. Really? I would. I think so because okay. oftentimes, and just personnel wise, none of the linebackers that we currently have are fast enough to get to Anthony Richardson in a one-on-one situation. So while he may, while they may be spying him, if he breaks the pocket and has some green to run in front, those dudes are not going to be able to catch him. So now, as Wes was just stating, they weren't in coverage. They weren't in uh, pass rush either. They're kind of in no man's land. Just sitting. Now, it, it depends if you have a 
Who's our guy that just went to the Ernest Jones? If you have an Ernest mm-hmm. Jones or a Sky Moore or somebody who's exceptionally athletic that can get sideline to sideline, but we don't really have those type type of linebackers right now. Is so. Mokaba healthy yet? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. No, Bears be helping us. Yeah. Um, All right. So, so let me. This I don't know if this is game theory or if this is just a huge logical fallacy, but is Florida likely to win this game if Anthony Richardson's throwing the football forty times? Has he has Florida beaten anybody with Anthony Richardson throwing the ball 35, 40 times? We'll get stat man Chris on that. But I, I mean, I imagine that is, that is not their path. Like, prob- uh, right, probably right. not. Like, I, I think they, they're going to want to run the ball and they're going to so, run the ball with him. Yes. So, not Anthony. So, you're not really afraid of him throwing the ball. You kind of want him to throw the ball. Number two, if Anthony Richardson finishes the game with fewer than, let's say, fewer than seven carries, is Carolina more likely to win? Like, if, if Florida runs the ball 45 times, and 40 of those carries are to Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, do you feel better about Carolina's chances or worse about Carolina's chances? I, I take that as a win. Like okay. the, the fewer times he carries it, the better. So I get what you're saying, Preston, about wasting a player. And, Wes, you make a good point. But the number one thing you're afraid of in this game is Anthony Richardson running it. You don't feel that bad about Florida's running backs running it, although they are good. You don't feel that bad about Anthony Richardson throwing it, one, because he's not that good at throwing the football, and two, you feel really good about your corners leaving them on an island. Florida's wide receivers are second worst as a group in the SEC in yards after the catch. So you're not worried, like like Missouri and Kentucky, you're worried about those guys getting in space and killing you. That's not really the, the MO of Florida's receivers. I get that you are wasting a player. But if Anthony Richardson isn't running the football, it feels like Florida's going to struggle to score. I think your assumption is that he's not going to run the football because you're spying him when – they're still going to try to block you just because just because you're spying him doesn't mean you're getting a free shot on Richardson. I feel yeah. like the, so, other, the other team's like, oh, he's spying. We'll we'll leave him alone. Yeah, well, I, no, I, but that I mean, would be you, cool. you have your five offensive linemen blocking. You have your running back either in and pass protection or running a route. You have your receivers running a route. Like the whole point, you, there's 11 guys on offense. There's 11 guys on defense. You got Emin Worry. Not to mention, like you can't block Nick Emin Worry. He doesn't miss tackles. He can just fly over <laughs> he's the unblockable. The all, yeah. No, but seriously, does that not give you your best chance? You're trying to discourage. Preston and I talked about this in the nine o'clock hour. You want to discourage Florida from doing what they do best. They want to do what they do, which is run the football and keep Anthony Richardson as a bona fide threat to take off and bust any big play. And if you can keep him from running, feel like you win. So here's here's where being thin in the secondary may come in, because had you had all the pieces in the secondary then maybe for this particular game you can concoct some sort of scheme where you're getting Nick into the box, but now they just don't have the guys to be able to do that, right? Right, yeah. I mean, the, the depth um, at safety in particular. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're just rolling him up into the box, um, you know, I, I get it. I think there I think there could be times, like if, I, if I'm in, I don't know, third and three, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'm rolling a bunch of guys up on, into the box and saying, look, Nick, you're spying him. Like, that's your guy. Um, but I just – I feel like a good offensive coordinator is going to – is going to kind of rip that apart if you just stick with it, Yeah, basically. Yeah, I, I guess I just feel like if you're Clayton White, wouldn't you rather get ripped apart by Billy Napier going to everybody else? Like, the one way you don't want to lose is Anthony Richardson killing you. If if they beat you another way, just you're, you're just a better football team, then, right? Yeah, but I think you're going to have to find ways to try to stop him other than just Nick spying. I, I think Wes makes a great point. Especially, I mean, easy, easy offensive coordinator move. I mean, you're going zone read, or you're handing the football off and using any any handoff 
in that offense can look like a zone read, even if it's just a called run. Mm-hmm. And if Nick is hyper-focused every single play, 75 plays of the game on Anthony Richardson, he's not going to have as good of a chance to clean up everything that he's cleaned up all season. They've got at least two really good backs, and those guys could, you know, we turn around rushing for 275 yards, and then we're all saying, well, why'd you, why'd you not let Nick and Memorial go play after? You know, so I, I think... It's kind of like a it's a catch twenty two in ways. I mean, it is. It, this just illustrates how difficult it is to defend. But all the, but, I mean, all of this is setting up that Carolina. I mean, Wes, you said the line's about right. I feel like the line's about right. Florida's about a double digit favorite. Like you, you can't just sit in your base and play a conservative, normal game plan and expect to pull a double digit upset on the road in the SEC, especially if the matchup's not in your favor. Like you have to take some chances somewhere, and that can't just be a fake punt for Carolina. Yeah, I mean. All those things are true, but that doesn't that logically doesn't mean spying with Nicky Memori is the answer. Okay. Just because that's true, um, I mean, I, I think you're gonna some some so you kind of are what you are to an extent defensively at this point in the year. Like you, you're not gonna be able to just reinvent the wheel. I feel like now. Do you want to give them some different looks? Do um, you know there may be some personnel things you could do up front? Um, you know, do you try and get an extra defender? Um, on the a different defender onto the field, uh, you know, to maybe get a little bit more strength. Um, Sneak up a twelfth man on there, I like it. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the answers are, like you, but in some ways you kind of are what you are. Um, and I just I feel like if you're you're going to struggle enough to create pressure and create havoc um, with four anyway, so you're basically saying you can never rush five if you do that. You see what I'm saying? If you rush five and you have a spy, you have no safety help deep at all. Yeah, I feel like this is a game where you got to take your chances with that because Anthony Richardson is not a particularly accurate deep ball thrower, and your DBs are good. But then your linebackers also have to cover their tight ends and their Ooh. running backs. and Yeah, that's the trade-off that I would be willing to make if I were Clayton White. What I, what I would not want is to be Clayton White sitting down on Sunday watching a highlight tape of Anthony Richardson running for 170 yards and three touchdowns. Well, and one thing to keep in mind, though, about Anthony is you can say, ah, you just blitz him. Well, a lot of his best plays are on broken plays. So if you, if you, if you get there, you better get him. Because if not, if you leave him a lane, like you said, Pearson, it's, it's 80 yards later. I went back and looked up some of the numbers about, you know, what was it said, like 20 – it's it's kind of tough. You can't really find any trends. Like, I could say something like, with one exception, when Anthony Richardson attempts 25 passes or more, they have not won. Mm-hmm. But then you look at, okay, well, some of those games were Tennessee, Georgia, LSU. All mm-hmm. right, so th- then you go into the competition. Games they had the chase. But you look at the Utah game, which was, you know, three-point win that was a really good win for them at the beginning of the season. He attempted 24. Well, he completed 17 of them. He didn't throw a touchdown, but he also rushed 11 times for 106 yards and three touchdowns. So this is a guy that you don't really – he doesn't fit into a box of if you just do this, you know, there are some guys where you can can do that because he's so athletic and despite his, you know, inaccuracies and his rawness as a passer, he's still got a rifle arm. And so he is very capable of – like, he's got a little bit of, like, the Felipe Franks as a passer where it's like you got to make that guy pass the ball. 
But then sometimes you make him pass the ball, and it's like, well, dang. Yeah. <laughs> Look at what I, he I just, just think, did. like, sometimes LeBron's going to hit seven of eight threes, but if you're going to – if you're going to – let me – let me amend that to something a little more contemporary. Sometimes Giannis is going to shoot 19 of 20 from the free throw line and you're going to lose a game six in the NBA finals. But sometimes Giannis is going to go eight of 20 because he's not a good free throw shooter. So you got to pick your poison real quick though, to your point about pressuring him, Florida is third worst in the sec in pressure rate. Opposing defenses are getting pressure on Anthony Richardson, 39% of offensive snaps. Florida has given up 11 sacks fourth best in the sec. So it doesn't matter if you pressure him or not. So, something to watch for. 803-404-6100. Any more thoughts that you guys have on the Florida game? We'd love to hear from you. Text line, Love Chevy phone line, Twitter. You know how to get all of us. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. couple minutes left here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, West, Chris, talking Carolina and Florida. For those of you that listen and you're on Gamecock Central, which I'm assuming is most of you, and if you're not, you should be, um, I expect to see at least one post complaining about Wes and Chris being so negative about this game. Can't hold, can't, can't, can't be operating under all these double standards. I need to see it, folks. Um, Preston, who is the, if not best, who is the scariest individual player you ever had to game plan against? Ooh. It probably should come straight to my mind if they were that scary. Um, to carry on? Against, as a high school coach, no. Uh, Stephon Gilmore. Oh. Sure. Yeah, totally unsuccessful. I said this, <laughs> I've said this so many times before. We literally, literally, as in for real literally, did not tackle him. To the ground one time in the game that we played him. He would catch the ball, and as a quarterback, he would run, and then he would just run out of bounds whenever he felt like it or <laughs> score a touchdown, however that ended up working. Yeah. Stephon Gilmore, that's I'm my fault. I blanked on that one. Yeah, no, that's good. The carry-on was really awesome. Like I said, the game, uh, we, it was the carry-on, Jordan versus Jordan Adams, and it was probably two of the best high school athletes I've seen on the field at one time. Privileged to coach that game. But Stephon Gilmore, by far. So what did you do? Because Anthony Richardson isn't the best offensive player that Carolina's going to see, but he's the scariest, probably hardest to match up with. He's not that on this level. Yeah. If yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not that superior on this level. But um, what is unique, and then, like the other players that Carolina's had to game plan for, Devon H. and Chris Rodriguez, it's like the flow of the offense. This is a guy that just breaks offenses and defenses. Well, it's always really difficult, and it sounds this is cliche and sounds obvious, but... It's when it's the quarterback because he touches the ball every single play. And and that's why the QB power, the QB run, all of that stuff is almost like a cheat code because there's really you get an extra man to block for. You don't account for that extra guy that's blocking for the quarterback. I'm not there's really I know there's no easy way to get that done. Obviously some teams have. Going back to what was said over the break, hopefully Florida makes some mistakes. <laughs> In the meantime, um, but it's that's not a not a not a it's a tall task for sure. You got to turn them over. Yeah, and they're number one in the SEC in turnover margin. Yeah, that that has been his um, Achilles' heel at times. He, now he's protected it. Um, we had uh, Nick De La Torre, Gators Online, on with us yesterday on the podcast, 
what do you say, the last three games he has not turned it over? Definitely hasn't had an interception. So I don't think due. he's turned it over. Because um, <laughs> that works, right? Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to turn him over. Um, I mean, th- this guy is an elite talent. Like, it hasn't always uh, come together yet to where you'd call him an elite player, I don't yeah. think. Well, but, I mean, he wasn't he three stars coming out of high school? I think so. So, I mean, there's something missing in his game. He's not Cam Newton. The, the funny thing is that Nick said yesterday that if Anthony continued to develop, he has the talent level of what, you know, he would be the answer to the question of what if Cam Newton had never stolen a laptop at Florida. And, I mean, the, the that run, was a big sentence. different runner than Cam for sure. Not we're just as, getting some. We're just getting some hard nose. Not as powerful. There. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I remember Cam Newton. Cam Newton, the NFL MVP, as yeah. well. That's just a high barter for anybody to reach. It I mean, is, I still yeah. like that, but uh... yeah, Anthony Richardson still needs to be first team All SEC, win a Heisman Trophy, win a national <laughs> championship, be the number one overall pick in the draft, win the NFL MVP, and win the NFC. He just needs to do that, and then he'll be that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a tough compare. It's kind of like when people, you know, around here, people. Well, is you know, how does Jordan Birch compare to Clowney, or how does this whoever coming up in the state? I'm like, he doesn't. I mean, and that's no knock on anybody. And that's it's like, okay. Stop, stop doing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, at this point in his career, though, Cam was not Cam yet. He was either. not. He so. was not. Yeah, he was. Uh, well, probably still in junior college at this point in his career. Hadn't. hadn't I, I think the point is Anthony Rich. You don't look at him and go, well, he doesn't have the arm talent. You know, he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a, he, he's got the size. Yeah. He's, he's maybe not as physical a runner as Cam, but he is faster. Yeah. So it, it's a, he's a scary player. Cool. Very good. All right. We're out of time here. Uh, don't listen to the show tomorrow because Carolina's going to lose by a lot. And that's all, uh, Wes and Chris have to say about it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep, Keep looking for areas for Carolina to exploit. No, I'm just kidding. Listen tomorrow. We'll have a great show planned for you guys. We'll have the Mason-Dixon lines. Some more thoughts on Carolina, Florida. Picks, buy or sell. The whole nine. It'll be a fun Friday show. Hope you'll have a great rest of your afternoon. And the 15th anniversary edition of the Halftime Show is up next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome. Uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Game. Eleven o'clock. Join Halataha for actionable advice from the brightest minds in the world on the Young and Profiting Podcast. Author and academic Arthur Brooks on what success isn't. The husband was confessing to his wife that he might as well be dead. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's wrong with this guy? I turn around to get a look, and it turns out to be one of the most famous men in the world. The world tells you that if you are profiting, money, power, pleasure, fame, you're going to be happy. And that's a bogus formula. The Young and Profiting Podcast, wherever you listen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.